Thank you for tuning in to the I Am Effect, the podcast where you can learn about people who have successfully found their niche in life and are striving to leave a ripple of their life's work here on earth. I'm your host, Precious Carter, and today I want to chat about training. This is the process of teaching yourself or someone to make them fit, qualified, or proficient. It also entails steps to form by instruction, discipline, or drill. How are you choosing to progress through life? I'll give you a little insight that in order to experience some level of success, you must first learn and then train. To understand what you have learned, you must discipline yourself through additional instruction. In this segment, I want to focus on helping our children learn and train in education. They learn in school and train at home with homework and studying. Sometimes they just need more support. Now Friday marked the end of the first quarter and you should be receiving your children's grades fairly soon so that you can get a glimpse into how they are truly handling learning through this pandemic. The end of last year, we were forced into virtual learning for the fourth quarter. And some of us continued virtual learning beginning of this school year, while others chose to send their children back to school. Regardless of what setting your children are in, whether it's virtual learning or face-to-face, one thing we know for certain is that what they are used to, how they're used to learning, is not the same. It is imperative that we stay on top of their educational well-being and control what we can control. My guest today is our October Business Spotlight, and she has a lot of helpful insight to help us assist in achieving to making our children fit and qualified and proficient in the realm of education with the services that she provides from her business. It is my hope that you receive a lot out of today's guest and all that she has to offer. My guest today is the founder of Belton Brainiacs. Please welcome Michelle Belton to the I Am Effect. Michelle, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule this weekend to share with us your journey and also enlighten us on some life principles that are bound to help us on our journey. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Yes. So let's go ahead and start with the hallmark question that I ask most of my guests. What did you want to be growing up as a little girl? It's crazy because from a little girl, I've always actually wanted to be a teacher. Wow. I made my mind up very early in life that that's what I wanted to be. And I just actually stuck with it. My mom actually taught middle school and high school. And she taught at my high school when I went through high school. Um, My dad is a retired principal and my stepmom was a college president. So I think just education in general has always been in my view with those who I love. So at a very young age, I was just like, you know what? I think I want to be a teacher. And that's what we went with. (laughs) Awesome. So definitely um, education and being an educator were um, in your path, as you said, um, influencing all around. 
That's that's awesome. So when when you were in school, what was your favorite subject? Um, it really kind of changed when I was younger in school. I would probably say that it was reading. Um, I also had like an amazing fourth grade teacher. Her name was Miss Nash. And she was like the most amazing teacher. She would sing to us like in order to teach us and even become different people to teach us. So I actually started liking math, I think, in fourth grade. And then in eighth grade, I had a really good math teacher um, as well. So really elementary, middle, it was mainly reading and math. But then when I got into high school, I took like an AP history course in U.S. history. I took geography and civics. And then I really, really started enjoying um, like the history and the social studies aspect of things. And I really think it was because of the teachers that I had. If I had a really good teacher who I could connect with and they made the learning fun and interesting, it was like that was my new favorite subject just because the teacher made it make meaning for me. That's that's definitely important. I like what you said, um, the teacher being engaging and, and mm-hmm. impactful um, helped influence you into that particular year, what subject was going to be your favorite. Exactly. For me, um, I guess mine was kind of similar. Um, mine in elementary, middle, and throughout high school, I had two favorite subjects. It was um, math and it was social studies. Mm-hmm. And when I got into college, um, literature and English actually became my favorite subject. Wow. Um, I always loved to read as a little girl. And so I was always reading novels and biographies over the summer. And so I, I never really viewed that as a favorite subject of mine until I got into college. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're in, you know, uh, English Lit 101 <laughs> in freshman <laughs> Um, year, you're having to now have discussions, you're reading and you're having to have discussions and, and debates about it and everything and, and defend how you feel about the book. And, right. and that's when it, it introduced me and opened up my eyes to reading for a different purpose. Because in high school, we were just pretty much reading books to, um, to do reports, turning reports on. So exactly. So yeah, so I, I, I definitely agree with you, you know, the you know your favorite subject definitely changes um based on your experience mm-hmm. and also the level of um of education that you're at right so let's get into belt and brainiacs i'm excited um to learn and understand how did belt and brainiacs come into existence so it's kind of a story of course um Last school year at my school, I began just to offer tutoring services, of course, in person at the time. Um, A lot of the times we'll have families who talk to their child's teacher about tutoring. And if that teacher doesn't tutor, they'll send out an an email, you know, this family needs tutoring. Is anyone interested? And so there were a couple and I said, you know what, I'll give it a try. And so I tutored for two families last year. Um, One I just had their second grade daughter and I tutored her for one hour, um, one day a week. And then the other family, I tutored both of their daughters. They had a third grader and a fourth grader and I tutored them for two hours on one day a week. So I tutored Monday, Wednesday and Thursday last school year. And 
Um, in all subjects, um, I would help them with their homework. And then I would also have other learning activities that I would plan and bring so that we could, you know, go through those lessons together. But actually, it was the fourth grader who would text me from her iPad and she would text me all the time, any time of day, any time of night. She would text me even on the days when I didn't tutor her. And she would text me, um, you know, to ask me questions like, Miss Belton, I'm working on this. Can you help me real quick? Miss Belton, I have this math problem. I don't know what to do. Can you help me real quick? And she actually texted me. It was one Thursday night. We were actually in church and she texted me and I was like, oh my goodness, what's going on? So she texted me and asked me a question and I was able to respond right there, you know, just via text. So I told BJ, I was like, you know, this could actually be a business. And my first idea and I think this business is already out there, but, you know, I could still have something similar. My first idea was to have a business called Text a Tutor. So, of course, it would just be okay. mobile tutors. You could text them what you're working on and then they can respond, you know, quickly with an answer or a follow up question to lead the student to the correct answer. But I was like, you know, that could be a business. But then when COVID came around and the schools opened back up. I heard so many parents talking about, you know, their child returning to school and, you know, or their child staying home. And then being in education myself, I also knew that last year when our students went on distance learning, we had to pivot to that so quickly that um, it was a, a quick shift. And I know that there were some instructional gaps that happened between March and coming back to school in, in August, you know, students hadn't been in a real school setting for about five months. So Belton Brainiacs kind of started as a need of our current situation, you know, knowing that parents were going to be home with their children. Um, I wanted to provide, provide a way to help the students and their families by just giving extra instructional support, you know, and that's where the Belton Brainiacs came in when I was actually a classroom teacher I would call my students Belton Brainiac. So the name just kind of went ahead and, you know, fit with the whole tutoring business. Awesome. I, I love it. I I had an opportunity to check out your website early oh, on. Oh, thank you. And I, I love where it says that um, the services that you provide is engage students in stellar learning activities in order to address their individual needs and promote academic excellence and success. And so tell us, what would one expect to receive during a one-on-one -on -one session with uh, Belton Brainiacs? Yeah, um, I'm so glad you went by the um, website. I have to mention um, my cousin, actually, Brittany Glover of Jungle Brand Marketing is the marketing genius behind my, um, my website. So we really worked hard, you know, both she and I to, to push that out. But um, I do really like to focus on the learning and the engagement, and it has to be fun so that it doesn't feel like work. You know, anything I do, I want it to be fun. And I also know that students are more engaged when they are having fun. So um, right now I'm tutoring in mainly math and reading. So a lot of the times um, I like to start the tutoring session with a fun learning game. It kind of breaks the ice gets the student comfortable and in, in, in a mindset ready to learn, but they're still having fun. So we'll play a quick learning game. I have a um, first year old, first year old, a first grader that I tutor now. 
and um, he's working on sight words. So a lot of the times we will end or begin our sessions with um, a game of sight word bingo. And of course he wants to win that game, but he has to read the words to me. So while we're playing, he's also working on reading his sight words. But um, so all sessions start with a learning game. And then I always get into the content work, whether we're practicing math fluency with um, multiplying, whether I'm working on math word problems with maybe a fifth grade student, we'll work on some. Then I'll bring in different instructional strategies and skills to be able to teach that concept to the um, student. And I also like to allow them time to practice right in front of me because then I can give them on the spot feedback where if I see them, you know, do something wrong in the word problem or do something wrong in their reading, I can correct them immediately. So we start with fun and then we do the meat of our work in the middle of our sessions. And then we always end with some fun as well. I have access to a lot of interactive online platforms. So usually I'll end my session with an interactive online lesson that the students and I can complete with each other. And if I'm tutoring in the area of reading, then it's gonna be a reading lesson where we'll listen to a story. They get to interact with the story and ask and answer questions. And then if it's with math, it's of course an interactive math lesson where they're answering word problems and working on whatever skill um, that we're tending to. So it starts with fun, we do the work, and then we end with fun. <laughs> great, great. I, and I think that's so important that, um, you know, in everything we do, even when we're at church and we're engaging um, with Sunday or um, Thursday Bible study, it's always important for a good icebreaker. Because yes. if you have a good, fun icebreaker that captivates their attention and it gets them excited about what's next, what's the next step, what's the next phase of the lesson. And, so I, I definitely love that. And with children, one thing um, it was said to me, and I always think about that, um, I try to always connect with, with children. So in my first, in the very first session, it's really, I'm getting to know the child, you know, asking about their interests and what they like that way. I can relate to them and bring up those conversations, but also in the content that I present to them to use for tutoring, if a child likes to talk about, you know, building things or they like robots and science, and I can bring in some articles about that. And one thing that was always said to me that I carry with me is that a child doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I always want to make sure that the children awesome. know that, you know, Ms. Belton cares about them. I'm interested in them and, and, and what they like and um, that that's important to me. Okay. Another thing in on your website is you talked about academic enrichment. So take a moment and tell my listeners the importance and the benefits of receiving educational tutoring. So there's multiple benefits to receiving educational tutoring. And I kind of broke this up into three pieces because I feel like there's a wider array of students that I tutor and all of them have multiple needs. So I feel like there are some students who may just need extra support, like they're getting A's and B's, but they just want a little bit of extra support to make sure that they continue to understand the content, they continue to master what their, their teacher is doing and that they just need extra practice. So I think that's one level of students. And then I feel like sometimes you have those struggling students who need some reteaching. And I love to focus on that. One of the things I love to do in the classroom was small group instruction where 
I would pull kids back to my small group table, maybe three to five students, and we would just go through and, and reteach things. So I feel like there are students who also need to be retaught. They need the information presented to them in a different way, and they need the information presented to them. We call this in, in teaching chunking, where we just chunk it into little small bites and give them one thing at a time, let them master that, and then build on those skills. And then the last thing is the enrichment part. There are so many children who catch on to things so quickly. Like you can tell them something one time and they have it. You can show them how to work out a math problem one time and they can take it and run with that. So those students do need enrichment. Those students do need to be accelerated and up to the next level. And that's so important because just like, you know, as, you know, grownups, if we stop learning, then we stay stagnant. And that's the same thing for children. So we have to enrich them. We have to move them beyond and move them past what they know and get them to the next level. Absolutely. I loved how you talked about extra support for the students that make A's and B's. Mm -hmm. Even honor, even honor roll students need to receive tutoring. And so I'm so glad that um that you did touch on that and and give provide that little extra nugget because um you know tutoring can be a benefit to everyone so I really do appreciate yes. that yeah so let's go back a little bit and let's discuss your career path and um, your qualifications and and how you got from this little girl that desired to um, be like your loved ones to where you're at now? So this is definitely not a straight and narrow. <laughs> there are some <laughs> twists and terms. So this, I, I actually love sharing how I got to where I am because it, it wasn't just a straight path. So of course, right out of college, um, I think I was 21 when I graduated and right out of college, I actually got a job back in my hometown where I grew where I grew up in the district that I went through elementary, middle, and high school. So I taught at my first school in Greenwood, South Carolina. I taught fourth grade, which was perfect. I loved fourth grade. That's the grade where I had my favorite teacher. That's the grade where, you know, I decided I want to be a teacher. But, you know, nobody tells you that teaching is not going to be how it was when you were pretending with, you know, those you know, fake <laughs> students who were just obedient yeah. and did everything that you did. So my first year of teaching was not as uh, blissful as I hoped it would be. Um, I definitely had my weakness in teaching was behavior management. And my principal told me something. She said, um, you probably weren't a bad student when you were in school. But she said, you have to learn to kind of think like, and I won't use the word bad, mm. you, you have to learn to think like a challenging student. So think, yes. what is the student wow. going to do? You know, what um, what routines and, and, and what things, how do they usually act out? And when she told me that, I was like, you know what? You're right. So then I could anticipate things that could happen in my day and go ahead and plan for, okay, I know when I go to this subject, he might act out because math is not where he's struggling. He's going to act out because he doesn't want to do the, the work because he feels like he, he can't. So I definitely had to learn that. And this principal was so supportive. She let me go and shadow another teacher in a whole other school 
who really had a good behavior management plan. And I used that plan my entire six years in the classroom. Like once I got it down, I stuck to it. But um, still teaching was a challenge for me. And in my first three years, I was like, you know what? I don't know if this is what I want to keep doing. Like I would call my dad crying. I remember one night my mom was sitting in her chair and I was on the floor, my head in her lap crying. Like, I don't want to do it. Like it was just, it was just too much. But then I was like, wait a minute. I am like 20 something years old. These children are nine years old. They are not going to get to me. So I had to get myself (laughs) together. But one thing my parents did tell me were, was that, um, you know, once you teach for three years, you're kind of solid in the field and you can move, you know, throughout different places. All I heard was once you teach for for three years. So I was like, you know what? I'm teaching for for three years and then I am out. I'm done. So that was in South Carolina. Um, My boyfriend at the time um, was here in Florida. So I was like, you know what? After three years, I'm moving to Florida. So I packed up my bags and moved to um, Florida. Did not have a job was not looking for a job, but I did very well on, on savings. So I moved to Florida the summer of 2012. And after a couple of months of living the good life, I was like, okay, I need to go to work. And so I actually got a job at Bank of America when I, um, when I moved here. So I started working at Bank of America right downtown across from Amway Center, um, met some amazing okay. people there. Um, but I started working at Bank of America in October of 2012. Um, my sister-in-law actually works for corporate. So she kind of helped me get in there. And then I worked for them until May of 2013. And um, I needed to make a little bit more money. And so I figured, let me find something else. And I actually went and worked at 33rd. And if you're in Florida and in Orlando, you know what that is. That is our jail. So I left Mm -hmm. the bank and went to the jail. Precious, my parents were like, my child has lost it. What is, what is happening? She is an educated woman. (laughs) Why is she a secretary in the jail? And I joke with my dad because um, my dad is also a pastor and he was chief of chaplains for the prison system in South Carolina. So I was like, daddy, I'm just following you. You taught you worked in the jail. I'm doing the same thing, you know, (laughs) but, um, I joke with, with my dad and I say between him and Jesus, I had to go back to what I was supposed to be doing. So after, I think I worked at the jail, maybe two months and I was like, okay, Michelle, this is enough. Go back and do what you're supposed to be doing. So I applied to multiple schools within Orange County and with, um, every school that I applied to, I even emailed the principal, letting them know that I so um, I had two okay. interviews in one day, and at the second interview, they offered me the job on the spot, and I started teaching fourth grade again in Florida, and I taught fourth grade for three more years in the classroom, and in 2014, I went back and got my master's degree in educational leadership, and you know that opened doors for me to be able to do other things, so Um, In 2016, I became the math coach at my school. So instead of being a classroom teacher, I was a math coach for the teachers, which meant that I would meet with the teachers, do classroom observations, model teaching math for them if they needed help and things like that. And then after doing that for two years, I came into my current role, which is a resource teacher, which um, I work 
mainly with teachers now still, um, you know, helping them model um, lessons in their class, but I do um, the testing coordinator for my school. I'm the textbook manager for my school. My school doesn't have an assistant principal, so I kind of get into that role a lot at my school as well. So that's, I guess, the journey to kind of that led me to where I am currently in education. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. It, it's a testament that it wasn't right. the straight and narrow. You had a little bit of curves, a fork in the road, but you ended back up on the path mm -hmm. that you're supposed to be on. And I'm certain uh, that you probably definitely learned lessons uh, at the bank and at the jail that helped enhance sure. who you are today. Yes. So let's talk about the resources. What are some resources that have helped you um, as an educator? Um just in life in general, um, I can't, I feel like I can't do anything, of course, without being led by God and by following the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's the source. Mm -hmm. um, so, but speaking of resources, um, definitely my husband is a resource for me just in hearing me and hearing, you know, my thoughts. My parents are big resources for me. They have so much wisdom, so much advice and so much experience that um it's easy for them it's easy for me to talk to them um about what I'm going through and for for, for them to still you know kind of point me in where they think I should go but not tell me I should go there but still just you know say well have you considered this have you considered that um also in Florida I feel like it was a, a great move for me because I've met so many wonderful people that are in education and some who are not, but they have been great resources for, you know, just saying, you know, well, you know, why don't you try this? And, and, and have you thought about, you know, being this or doing that? Um, and it's crazy because I thought that I wanted to be an assistant principal. I was on the track to doing that. And um, I think it was two years ago or Last last school year, I was going to apply to be in the assistant principal pool for our district because you have to get in the pool first and then they'll, you know, you go through interview rounds to be matched with a school. And that whole process was just giving me so much anxiety. And I have, you know, a young son, I want, you know, to have more children and everything. And the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I was like, you know, Michelle, that's not really what you want to do. I think it's what people expected me to do. So I was like, you know, okay. that's just the, mm -hmm. the logical next step. But once I decided, you know what, that's not what I want, all of my stress, all of my anxiety, you know, went away. And then I was able to focus on some personal things and personal goals that I want to work on outside of education. That's awesome. I, I actually had to write down um, what you said um, and I added to it. The, the logical next step might not always be the exactly. best step. And so that was, that's profound. And so I want to talk about balancing life for you because, um, I, you know, we mm -hmm. are members of the same church. We worship together and we're friends on Facebook. And one thing that I love, I absolutely love about you is that um, you're yes. very family oriented. 
but most importantly, you brand, you brand your family mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm. all about branding. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I love to see Michelle's oh. mommy moments. I love to see the belt and bond. And, um, and so, and now, and so when you posted the belt and brainiacs, I just got so excited because <laughs> I was like, oh, it's another yes. expansion of their brand. <laughs> and so, um, so I, I mean, like I said, me and my family, we brand, we were house of Carter and then, you know, we're doing, uh, productions and, and we're doing clothing. So, you know, you, what you guys mm-hmm. are doing is right up my alley. So I love that. And I, I think that, um, that, you know, just reading the stuff that I read with the belt and bond and Michelle's mommy moments, I, I think you have a good grasp on balancing life. And so I would love for you to share with the viewers how you balance being a wife, being a mother, um, you know, your successful career, as well as you are heavily involved mm-hmm. in the church and the community. Um, my main thing, and I guess it's a new word that I didn't even know that I really had, but when I was thinking about this I said it's I really do set boundaries and I prioritize like my husband Bobby and my son are the most important things to me and I'm very big on family and so is Bobby like that's we're like if if it doesn't involve like if it's not about us then we're not focusing on that right now as far as like if something else is going on that doesn't have anything to do with us we don't really give it that much attention if it's if it's negative so we focus Mm -hmm. on us and what's important to us so everything comes after me being a wife and a mom like that's my priority because you know when I come home I come home to these two men so I have to have you know more to be able to give them so especially when it comes to work. I love what I do in my current role, but I have adapted the mentality that work stays at work. As best as I can make that happen, work stays at work. Very rarely do I bring work home Monday through Friday and definitely on the weekends. I don't want to focus on any work because I want to give all of my attention to my family. So At work, I'm very good. I have a happy planner. I write down everything I need to do that day and I manage my time at work so that I can complete all of my tasks. And I put a little check mark when it's done. I have all of my stickers and like decorate my my planner. So it's even fun for me to see like, okay, this is what I have on my plate today. This is what I need to get get done. And I prioritize things um, and put, you know, due dates when things are due so that I make sure that I'm working on it. I'm good about reminders. So there's a reminder in my phone or in my calendar for every single thing. Um, And then, you know, I have to set aside time for the things outside of work that I'm working on. Um, I'm currently writing children's books and I've been going back and forth with the guy who's doing the um, photos with me, just, you know, approving photos and things, but I have to dedicate time to that and set up, okay, when is going to be my time? to write so that I make sure that I'm on schedule so that when the books start to go out, you know, I have more and more that can come out, you know, following. I'm doing like a brand change right now as well so that there's one hub for people to go to. So while we'll still have the Belt and Bond, everything's going to kind of be like, we'll have the Belt and Bond YouTube. That's going to stay the same, but everything's going to be under michellebelton.com where you'll have a, a blog with Michelle's okay. mommy moments. You'll have Michelle's marriage moments. You can go to the website and purchase the children's books when they come out. So it's all about me, 
you know, just setting boundaries, knowing what I want to do and just going after it. Awesome. That, that is awesome. And I'm excited for it all. Um, I, I think that that is wonderful. And you actually answered one of my next questions, which was, yes. well, what is next <laughs> for Michelle? So I'm excited. I'm so excited mm-hmm. for the children's books. And, um, and I'm excited um, for you guys to continue to expand on, on yes. the marriage moments as well. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you regarding the Belton Brainiacs is I also saw on your um, website that you said you are your child's mm-hmm. first teacher. And that is so powerful because oftentimes we forget that, um, that a role model is our, you know, our, our children, you know, trust us, you know, they're, we're, we're the first adult that they really have that contact with. So I want you to share any advice to parents on how we can successfully partner with educators, especially um, those that are doing at-home learning to provide a healthy learning environment for our I think children. that's so important. And you touched on it where, you know, your child, you know, they usually go to their parents first, you know, so they go to you for everything else, you know, they're going to also come to you, especially now in these times for their teaching and their schoolwork. And I think when parents um, really adapt that mindset that I am a teacher too, like I have to teach my child just not, you know, life skills and how to grow up and what is expected of them, but the main thing they have to do is be involved in their child's school life. Um, I think it's so important to form a relationship with your child's teacher. I mean, our son is in the four-year-old class at daycare, but we're still like, um, can we get a school um, conference? Can we get a parent-teacher conference? Can we know what's going on? But I think that's so important so that you are aware of what's happening in the classroom, whether it's a physical classroom or the virtual classroom, because as a parent, if you don't know what's going on in the classroom, it's a little bit more difficult to support your child. Um, And I think it's helpful because a lot of the times um, parents don't hear from their teacher until they have to call home about something that happened. So I think it's on both parties. There's the teacher priority and the parent priority to go ahead and establish a relationship at my school like we always say before you have to call home about anything like choose a student every week and call home about how what what they did that was positive in the classroom so that you can establish that relationship I I also feel that parents should get informed about what their child is learning so if their teacher sends home a newsletter read that read the actual newsletter you know look up what the child is working on in math or in reading and in science. And also don't be afraid to ask the teacher how you can support your child's learning. When I worked at um, a Title I school, we always kept in mind that even some of the parents of our students may not have had a positive school experience. So it was up to us to try and change that and try to let them know that school is a positive place we're here to help your child and we want to teach you also how to help your child, you know? So I think it's important for the parents to like show and express an interest in what the child is doing and let the teacher know that you're there to help. And I think one of the main things that can help with a good partnership is that if there's something 
going on, like, you know, you guys are moving or the loss of a loved one, or you're adding to your family and the child may be, you know, processing some things, you know, it's a good thing to let your teacher know that so they can kind of be sensitive to whatever else is happening in the child's life. And then as a parent and a teacher, you guys can mm -hmm. set goals together to help with that student. And I think all of those are important when trying to form a good partnership between not just the parent and the teacher, but involving the student in that process as well. Awesome, yes. Well, here at the I Am Effect, it's about recognizing how one uses their influence and how they exercise their power to bring about results. I'm a firm believer that I am is one of the most powerful statements because what comes after it is speaking things into existence mm -hmm. and releasing it into the atmosphere. And so I'm going to read to you Exodus 3.14, where God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I like to think that God would speak that over each and every one of our lives to go out here and be a positive influence and deliver as many people as possible to continue to advance his kingdom. And so if I were to ask you to complete this statement, I am blank, what would be the adjective that you would use to make that sentence true? I love in that your you asked this because I do um, affirmations every morning on my way to work and our words have power. And one of them talks about, you know, God giving me the ability to speak those things that be not as though they were. So when you said this, I was like, you know, I'm going to have to go with two. And one is I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And of course that comes from the word of God, because mm -hmm. everything that I am is, is wrapped up in him. You know, he created me, he made me in his image. He knit me and formed me, you know, when I was in my, my mother's womb. And then the other one is, and I can, and that's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's actually a verse that we have allowed um, or taught Scotland um, mm -hmm. as well. But God's word says that, you know, with man, nothing is possible, but with God, all things are possible. So I believe that because I am fearfully and wonderfully made and because I have God that I can do all things. And he didn't say some things, he said all things. So when I'm talking about, you know, teaching in, in education, mm -hmm. that's something I can do. Writing a book, that's something I can do. Starting a blog, that's something I can do because God yes. said, we can do all things with his strength, with Christ who strengthens us. And in that, you know, you touched on it as well with everything that I do. I want it to reveal God and glorify God to others. So that's what I hope I'm doing in, in my school, in my tutoring, in my YouTube videos, in my books. I hope that it's inspiring others not to see what Michelle is doing but how Michelle is doing it with God you know that's that's the only reason I'm able to do what I'm able to do yes amazing well once again thank you so much for taking time and sharing all these wonderful nuggets not only for the young people for parents for everyone I'm almost certain and positive that anybody that is listening will be able to pull something from the words that you spoke today. And um, I'm so grateful and appreciative and excited about Belton Brainiacs because I'm sure that the impact 
that you make on the young people's lives at an impressionable age is bound to leave a lasting impression and so effect much. on the Thank world. Thank you so much. put together with various ingredients. We have to start looking at ourselves as the creation. We are what God has made. He brought us into existence. We are considered works of his hands. Think back to when you bought something into existence through thought, design, or even physical labor and how you felt to see what you envisioned in your mind become something tangible that you created. Imagine how God feels every time he sees you, his creation that he made. Why is it hard for us to embrace who we are? I mean, all of the ingredients that God put together when he made us, such as our traits, our qualities, our characteristics, even our outer features. We must learn to accept it all and be happy with how God made us. As I listened to Michelle's I Am proclamation, I began to think about Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that states, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This week, I encourage you to see yourself for who you really are. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Take your thoughts off what you believe to be flaws. Be satisfied in the skin you are in. And realize that unhappiness and low self-esteem is a distraction to keep us from being who God created us to be. It is time for you to step into the light and tap into the skills and talents that God created within you. The world needs the person that God made you to be. Until next week. May his peace be with you. I am Precious Carter, and thank you for listening to The I Am Effect.